We are very excited to announce that we're going to have a second live show, y'all. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The crowd goes crazy. Why is there a second live show, Heaven? Because we love you guys. Also, because the first show sold out in literally 30 seconds. So, therefore, because we love you guys. (laughs) And the second one. What? We were like, no, this is not enough for the fans. (laughs) We want more for the fans. (laughs) No, we really didn't. That's true. That's true. So the show is going to be Saturday, December 5th at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Our Kwanzaa Spectacular will be um, spectacular. So be excited. Tickets go on sale this Friday, November 13th. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook for more details and find tickets at thebellhouseny.com. Follow us on Twitter if you want the exact time, and you will want the exact time. Thanks. Now on with the show. Woo-woo. Hi, everyone. I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and Tracy. Boosh. <laughs> what? I tried to get a noise together. That's the celebratory I, noise that they make in Frisky Dingo, which I'm oh assuming God, you still, still haven't watched. All right, Tracy. Besides having to watch Frisky Dingo, what else? <laughs> <laughs> what else do we got to do? Well, we have to sit and listen to... Tracy's joke time because I'm very excited. Yes, it's making a comeback. Yay. Um, hopefully this is a good one. I don't know. Tracy, I don't know. All your jokes are delightful. Thank you so Stop much. It. Stop it. I doubt myself just to hear you say that all of my jokes are good. Aww. And we also have with us the queen of internet media, powerful stuff, Shani Hilton of BuzzFeed.com, the website who is here to tell us about things that we do not know about. HBCUs, known also as this is black schools, black colleges. Oh, my God. They're called historically black colleges and universities, for those who don't know. Yes. And we recently discovered that there are lots of people who don't know what those letters stand for because we have rolled out a series of fantastic articles about HBCUs on BuzzFeed. And, and everybody's like, every white what's an HBCU like, in the comments? It's like, y'all don't know anything about us. That's cool. That's cool. All your stories are so relatable. <laughs> I feel like this took a turn. <laughs> Anyways, we're also talking to our correspondents Hannah and Essence who went down to Morehouse and Spelman for their homecoming and talked to a few people. Yes, yeah, so we can live vicariously through Yo, everyone else. They said it was lit though. It was so lit for their homecoming. I mean it has to be. If I it's know. Not, I feel I like know. they have to like I don't have an end for this. Yeah, city. what? I don't know. <laughs> they have to retire. <laughs> they have to shut down the entire city. Having guess what time it is. What time is it? Tracy's joke time. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Nice theme song. I think maybe if I can remember that the next time, that's going to be the official You're theme never song. consistent. I uh, know, I'm not going to remember it. Okay. Tracy's joke time. Okay, so typically there's a Bob and a Jerome in all of my jokes. This time there is a Bobby Joe. She's a lady, you see. Okay. Bobby Joe is like walking through a forest or some shit because Bobby Joe really likes forests. And she's walking, she's walking, she's walking. She comes across this frog who was like trapped inside of like this little cage thing, right? And the lady sees him. She's like, hmm, it's kind of weird. So she bends down. She's like, hey, little frog, what the hell? What are you doing? What's going on here? (laughs) The frog's name, of course, is Jerome, right? So Jerome the Frog is like, oh, man, if you set me free, I've been I've been stuck in this cage forever. If you set me free, then I will grant you three wishes unconditionally. Well, there's one condition. <laughs> and she's like, wait a minute, what is it? And he was like, well, whatever you wish for, your husband will get it tenfold, times ten, right? Oh, no. Right. <laughs> 
so (laughs) so bobby joe's like "Hmm, bet let's do this so she sets him free and he's like all right what's your first wish and remember that your husband's gonna get this tenfold whatever you wish for for yourself your husband gets more so she's like okay first and foremost i want to be the most beautiful woman in the world he's like all right you know that if I grant you this wish, then your <laughs> then your husband. Why are you already like shaking your head? Come on, then your husband is going to be the most handsome man in the world, and you'll have competition from like every other woman. Like women are going to be hounding this man. She's like, no, it's cool because I'll be the most beautiful woman in the world, so he'll only have eyes for me. She's like, you know what, Bobby Joe? Sound logic. You got it. So bam. <laughs> She's the most beautiful woman in the world. Elsewhere in the world, her husband becomes just like ridiculously attractive, right? So, bam. Wish number two. What's your second wish? And she says, um, I want to be the richest woman in the world. He's like, all right. Now, you know, if I grant you this wish, <laughs> I wish I could see heaven's face. If I grant you this wish, then it means that your husband's going to be the richest man in the world. And he can basically like have anybody that he wants. And she's like, oh, that's fine. I got my own money. I won't need his. So, you know, whatever. I'm I'm secure enough, Mr. Frog Genie. <laughs> Sorry, grant me my wish. He's like, I bet. Okay. Bam, she's the richest woman in the world. Elsewhere in the world, he becomes the richest man in the world, right? So he's like, all right, you got one more wish. Make it a good one. And so she's like, all right. He's <laughs> like, okay. My third wish, <laughs> I wish for a mild heart attack. Oh <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because then her husband is going to die, right? And then she gets all the money. But don't bump. Yo! That turned out even better than I actually expected. See, you did all that handshaking <laughs> for zero reason. So with us in the stew today is Miss Shani O'Hilton. She is the executive editor for news at a website called BuzzFeed.com, which you may be familiar with. She, I think, has been on every single 30 under 30 list in the past like two years or so, at least two years. She's making a face, maybe three. For the past 15 years, she's been on every (laughs) single 30 for 30 list. If she's on your radar, it's probably because of the industry's obsession with all of the amazing work that she's been doing to diversify BuzzFeed's newsroom. But beyond that, she's just a really great, amazing news person. And at least one person has described her as, quote, chill. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the studio, Shani O. Hilton. Yay! Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be here. We are so happy to have you here, and we are so happy that you are drinking with us, for one. Mm-hmm. And for two, it's just like straight up bourbon, you know? No frills. No frills. <laughs> just I like that. Cheers. I like Cheers. that. Cheers. Um, so our first question that we ask everyone is, what do you do and why? Philosophically, I've been thinking about this. Like, <laughs> Of course. I've never said this <laughs> And I don't, it's funny because like diversity is a project, but it's not my job. Yeah, at Mm -hmm. all. And I think people like once you start talking about it, that's all people want to come to you for. And I'm like, actually, my job is like editing stories and Mm -hmm. and newsing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do a lot of newsing. Lots of newsing. But do you think it's fair to say that maybe on a lot of people's radar because of like the whole, because of the industry's like obsession with the dope job that you've done at BuzzFeed? Yeah, I don't know. My job is like making BuzzFeed news really good and mm-hmm. trying to. And what do people think your job is? I don't know. Tweeting about diversity. <laughs> 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 I do it because I've 
been in some form of journalism since I was in middle school. I was the editor in chief of my middle school newspaper. Oh, baby shiny. The paw print. I wanted to charge 10 cents. I was not allowed. (laughs) I was thinking about revenue models for journalism even then. (laughs) And then I was the editor of my high school paper and I was an editor at the Hilltop at Howard University in Washington, D.C. And here I am today. So right now on BuzzFeed.com, the website, there is a fantastic series of posts and lists and essays about HBCUs and what it's like to go to an HBCU. That's historically black colleges and universities, white people. (laughs) (laughs) And other brown people who don't know. That's allowed. Right. (laughs) Very, very fantastic work being done. You can find these pieces at BuzzFeed.com slash HBCUs. Shani, tell us a little bit about your HBCU experience. You know, I went to historically black college, Howard University, and they're just such a huge part of the black American experience and by extension, the American experience, because they really, you know, HBCU grads are kind of in all walks of professional life. And I care a lot about HBCUs. And, you know, I firmly believe that for some people, it is kind of the best possible experience you can have at at college. Um, That is not true for everybody, obviously. Neither heaven nor myself went to an HBCU. I went to the complete, complete, most extreme opposite of an HBCU. (laughs) I like doing shit the hard way. Um, But, I mean, I also don't know very many people. Like, I'm not, like, intimately close with a lot of people who went to HBCU. So I have a ton of questions about just what it was like. But just, like, walk me through the process. Like, how and why did you end up at Howard, did you want to go to an HBCU? Did was your like one of your parents like, no, you're gonna go to an HBCU? Like, <laughs> so how did you end up there? Here's the funny thing about my HBCU experience. I never really wanted to go to an HBCU. I had a really sad I, I grew up in California, very diverse environment. I mean, it was really like very, very diverse. White people were not the majority. And I thought, oh, I've had I've had plenty of diversity experiences. Like, I know what it's like to, you know, be a person of color, and it's great. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go to, like, some northeastern college or whatever. And I ended up actually almost going to um, a small college in the south. But then maybe, like, a week or two before the deadline for me to go to, like, to tell Howard I was going to go, my dad was like, okay, (laughs) here's the deal. If you go to Howard, I won't make you minor in African American studies. <laughs> he said, You're going to get this blackness one way or the other. Literally, that is how it happened. And I was just like, Okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, Why do I have to go to an HBCU? Like, I come from such a diverse place. Like, I don't need like to be around more people of color. Like, I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And then I got there and I was like, Oh, no, you don't know what it's like because what you end up with is. You know, you're sitting next to like a Nigerian national in a velvet blazer and Ferragamo slippers. (laughs) Not kidding. (laughs) And you're also hanging out with a kid from Seattle. I wasn't ready. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Go on, Shani. Go on. Please continue. I'm so serious. (laughs) And then, you know, you've got like Caribbean kids and you've got kids from Ghana and you've got kids from the South and you got kids who never saw another black person until they got to Howard's campus. Mm. And just like such a wide variety of blackness that it was really the most diverse place I've ever been in my Mm. life. I feel like that's something that I never think about when I think about my own like college experience is like, because 
on my school, which was really, really, still is very, very white, the whole issue was just like, you know, there are no black people here. And, you know, and like, just like any visage of like a black person is like, all right, all right, point one for like yeah. the team. But like, there weren't, there wasn't enough blackness on campus for me to realize that there were different types of blackness. Yeah. Was a College was the only time I had ever heard people say regular black. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I, I, know that was, <laughs> I guess because everyone I grew up around who was black was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. So, whatever that Toni yeah. Morrison quote is, only white people are Americans. Everyone else gets a hyphen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, I we had always been hyphenated Americans. Yeah. So, I college was the only time I met people who like felt strongly about their identity being a non-hyphenated. Uh huh. Even though they'd be African American, just like, but, like being uh, black, like ju- regular black. black yeah. 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 Going to a white school, I feel like I missed out on a lot. Obviously. What did I miss? Like, what are the great things about, like, HBCU culture? What do you miss the most about being on a black college campus? It's two things. One, it's just really inspiring to be around super fly, Mm. like, driven black folks all day long, every day. Mm. Like, in a rush to go to a student government meeting. In a rush to, like, you know, hustle your mixtape. Whatever the case (laughs) may be. The second part is... Being around enough black people that you can say, I don't like that black person. Oh, my God. We did not that have is the a luxury. Uh, you do not have to be friends with him. You do uh, not have to like her. I just don't beg him. No. I was friends with this girl forever in college. I could not stand her. But I was like, who else we got? Exactly. Where else we gonna go? Exactly. <laughs> That's so real. So I like to... Um, hear about people's black people's like black radical black awakenings like in college Mm -hmm. because you know college is like where you get out of your bubble for the first time and you start to like read about inequality and you're just like insufferable and you're terrible and like you have the answers to everything and blah 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 and I know that I had mine on my little white ass campus and I had mine because there were no other black people there you know so like my only exposure to blackness were like my folks back at home in Louisville blackplanet.com the website <laughs> dating myself a little bit oh my god or through books like I would go to like the library on like Saturday morning with a pillow and just like lay out in like the civil rights section and like <laughs> oh one of my favorite things to do was to like check out books with like really inflammatory titles like I read um, <laughs> it wasn't a great book I read Die Nigger Die by H. Rap Brown mm-hmm. and like I loved walking into class and just like <laughs> setting down my books in the middle of the table and that would always be on the front it's like hey what's up y'all just so you know what you get. So did you have like a similar awakening as far as like blackness goes and like race goes? I had a weird conservative awakening. Say more. <laughs> what does that mean? What? So I, like I said, I grew up in California, pretty liberal, kind of a hippie. My dad was like fairly, you know, fairly Afrocentric. We had like die, nigger, die on our bookshelf. Like, <laughs> like that's like, you know, that's a kind of like place. That's the kind of house I grew up in and lots of like. Um, hotep books mm-hmm. <laughs> and hotep twitter before there was twitter <laughs> exactly <laughs> used to like go to like you know nation of islam speeches and whatnot like like very ridiculous mm. but my mom she's jamaican and so my exposure to like blackness was like true like regular blackness american blackness was through my dad mm. which was limited because he was a man and so there's like a whole side of like self-care and like black womanhood that i 
was not as familiar with until I went to Howard. Mm. And then I found myself living with three black women who were regular black women who are like all wonderful. Mm. I mean, just like basic things like how to take care of your hair and oh, yeah, it's so real. <laughs> and you know you know like what like what pink oil lotion was and oh. pink oil <laughs> ruiner of pillowcases across the nation. and like i learned how to wrap my hair it took me three years but i learned oh. how to wrap my hair like that kind of stuff that i had never known mm. because that just wasn't how my my mother knew how to like she rolled her hair with foam rollers every night she never wrapped her hair like it's like that yeah. like those foam basics rollers. same you know <laughs> and so then you start to take on kind of cultural bits and pieces and you know like i started going to church i never went to church i didn't what? grow up religious and like you go to chapel and then on like sunday morning get up early go to chapel then go to the calf and have an omelet like that was like my <laughs> life for a while I would like sit in church. <laughs> I didn't know any of the songs. These are the I don't now. Mm. I mean, it just wasn't. It was really interesting because it was like a moment where I was trying on a blackness that I was not that familiar with. Mm. And so part of that was taking in some of kind of like you know traditional black social conservative values. It was just an interesting time, like trying on things. And I think that's the other thing, right? Like this assumption that black colleges are all the same, like you're, you're around people who are just like you. That is not true. Mm. And for me, I hung out with like, I hung out with a couple of college Republicans. Like I, like I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't really have political affiliation because even then I was like, I'm a journalist. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to have those. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really learned a lot about kind of a world that I did not know. And then I graduated and then I went natural. <laughs> the end. Yeah. I think a lot or I used to think a lot about the benefits of like going to a school that is not full of people like me and one of the things that I tell myself and I believe is true it's still kind of sad is like I felt prepared to like deal with all the horrible situations of like being the only black person in the room and like all the microaggressions and having to speak for my entire race because I'd already done it for four years as like an 18 year old. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of say, no, so I like being numb. These are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> these are facts. Right. Right. I am better at preparing for this. Right. Right. <laughs> dealing with it. Right. Um, how do you shiny think that your experience at an HBCU like primed you for like where you are now? Because I do know some people were like, well, you know, HBCUs, they're not, um, realistic you know once you get out into the real world it's not going to be full of like black people and people like you you know it's just like a, a smoke screen blah 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 so how so is all of college mm -hmm. but anyway continue <laughs> <laughs> like do you draw like a distinction between like your um, college experience to like your current success I do I think it's so last week I think um, Gallup had a poll out that said that HBCU grads have a higher rate of well-being, just general well-being, than mm. black college grads from other schools, from mm. non-black schools. Things like feeling like they have a community, feeling like they're prepared for life, feeling like, you know, they had professors who cared about them, feeling like they have a sense of purpose, mm. which was really interesting. And I mean, these are all things that I had kind of thought were true, but like had never seen a survey about it. Mm. Again, it's not true for everybody. There are some people like I know people who transferred out of Howard and, and transferred to, you know, white, a white school and mm. because it was not the experience for them. And I think that's totally realistic and normal and reasonable. But there's something about like when you strip away like the oppressive bullshit of white supremacy from your life mm -hmm. in terms of 
your everyday waking moments (laughs) (laughs) from like walking down the street, Mm. crossing the quad, getting in line to get a meal, Mm. sitting in class, like all of these, all like that toll that did that person do that because I'm black is gone. Right. God, what does that (laughs) feel like? Shit. And it like, it just opens up your mind in a way and, and, and gives you like an elevation to your step, to Mm. your, to your, your way of moving around the world that I think is hard to replicate in other environments. What was the thing that made you want to do this package? Um, like what are the issues going on institutionally at these kinds of places that are interesting from a news point, point of view? I mean, I think what's so interesting about this, this moment, there, there's still more than 100 HBCUs currently active and they often have challenges. I mean, financial challenges, retention rate, um graduation rate these are all like real problems at these schools hazing is also often a problem and yet they kind of continue to survive and not just survive but thrive i mean you have schools like morse brown in georgia which has like 20 students now because it lost accreditation in 2000 i think oh wow it's still hanging on and there are people there who are working to keep it open and keep it alive and keep it going the identity of having gone to a black college is like nothing else so even if you have a school with a lot of problems people feel still feel so much pride and so much ownership and so much devotion to it that i thought it was really worth exploring those two sides of the coin in Mm. full as much as we could at least like tracy i don't have that many close friends who went to hbcus so all i get is like stuff from the news and the things i see from the news are like gay or queer people feeling like marginalized yes HBCU spaces. Yeah, that's the thing. So once you've taken away white supremacy, right, there mm-hmm. are all these other things. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird how that does not end your problems. Yeah. Um, there's still sexism. There's still homophobia. There's still transphobia. There's still class issues. You might see that people from another country get treated more treated poorly. I'm not saying that it's a panacea. Oh, no, not at all. I'm I'm just wondering what that experience is like for you, like, personally. Yeah, I mean, you know, from my experience, I have friends who are gay who went to Howard. Some were out, some were not. For some, it was fine. For some, it was not as fine. I think there's a, at Howard especially, there was kind of a booming queer scene that you might not find in a smaller place. Just like just like you would find it a big queer scene at Columbia and not at some tiny school in the South, right? Mm. Okay, so before we wrap up, if you had to give one piece of advice to a black kid who was thinking of going, who was trying to decide between going to an HBCU or an HWCU. What is that, <laughs> Historically white college and university. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> you see what I did? Okay, so there's a black kid trying to decide between the two. Shani, what advice would you give this kid? You have to have kind of a lot of like get up and go, a lot of hustle often at black colleges. I mean, sometimes they're like sort of ineptly run. And that means standing in the A building for hours waiting on, you know, financial aid information or whatever the case may be. And there's just like there's a little bit of like a requirement for hustle that not everybody has. And I think that people who who don't want to like run around all day maybe are not meant to go to black colleges. But the college you go to ultimately doesn't matter. Say more. It does. It does matter because I just spent, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour <laughs> telling you <laughs> about like what difference it makes. <laughs> I'm off brand right now. Uh, 
but it it doesn't it it matters but like don't agonize over it like i made that decision at the last second and i feel like it did change my life in a lot of ways but like if i hadn't i would have been fine i think people agonize a little bit too much over which college to go to because ultimately like your education is probably going to be fine and really it's about what you put into your time spent more so than where you are good sound advice heaven yeah, that actually covered a lot of what I was going to say. <laughs> um, uh, I what guess, advice would you give a white kid trying to decide between going to an HBCU <laughs> and an HBCU? Take your white ass to Howard. <laughs> Do that. See how it feels for us to move through a world, a situation where there's only two of you. I'm sorry. I'm a little yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> what Tracy said. My only college advice is I wish I had... Uh, Went to therapy earlier. Therapy. That's great advice. Also, I low-key, I wish I smoked more when I was in college. I didn't really mm. smoke that much. Smoke more weed and go to therapy, I mean, where guys. would you get money to smoke? Yeah, I was broke. So that there wasn't really... <laughs> I wasn't buying too many extra things. <laughs> it, depending on where you go, like which white school you go to, you know, it's tough, it's hard, whatever, whatever. But like, I mean, everything that I went through, like, I mean, I would have done some things differently. I would have been much louder and like more obnoxious probably. <laughs> but I mean, I would do it all over again, I think. So I think the lesson or the advice that I would give is to just, you know, stay very present and be very aware of like where you are and like your place in like history, even like a more immediate setting, you know, like, okay, I'm here and like this choir right now. And either there's a ton of black people around me or there are no black people around me. Just like be very conscious of where you are and just like try to make the best of it. Because I mean... What white people are so tiring, but you can't escape them, right? So you have to live, learn to live with them at some point. Where is this advice going? You got to learn to live with them at some point. If you can do it earlier in your life, then cool. It's only four years of your life. After undergrad, you can go to the blackest school you can find. You can move to the blackest city you can find, like I did. I went to Philadelphia. I was like, fuck this. It's also temporary. That's my other advice. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Temporary. It's a blink of time. And like, you know what? Don't listen to all these people talking about, oh, it's the, the these are the best years of your life. False. Fuck that. Want better for yourself. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Don't forget how much of your life you have left. You know, you can always make better for yourself. Those can't be the best. They better not be the best. Oh my God. Can you imagine like your most hormonal, like <laughs> trying period of life being the best years of your life? <laughs> no. Oh my Who God. thought to say that ever? Uh Plus, it's scientifically proven that your 30s are the best year of your life, I have to say. Just saying, you ladies have lots to look forward to. This has been a fascinating look into a world that I shall never know. (laughs) Okay, Tracy. We're going to switch to pew, pew, pew. Pew, 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 pew. Yay! Guess winger guns. Bunch of (laughs) very random questions. Rapid fire in air quotes. So you are very into Benedict Cumberbatch. Did I say that right? (laughs) No. Batch. Oh my God. Like like Johann Sebastian Cumberbatch? So obviously I'm not that into him because he looks like an alien. Okay. Anyway, I've, I've cooled. Oh my god, I've cooled slightly, but I'm still I'm still an admirer of his work. So do you? I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I mispronounced the word like every show. It was time. It's fine. <laughs> Heaven, you all right? I'm okay. Okay. Take it. Take your time. Do we need refill? Are you like like box? Anyway. Okay. <laughs> do you self-identify as a cumber bitch? I once did. <laughs> What's why? I once did. What's the appeal? 
I mean, I think part of the appeal is just like really he does really beautifully shot things like Sherlock is just like fun and, and beautifully. Um, you look skeptical. Tracy. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't have a poker face. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And she's like, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. He has like a nice voice. What's funny is some of my friends were making fun of me about this the other day. And they're like, we know your type, Shani. You like the most beautiful looking horse. <laughs> My friends are awesome. <laughs> this is too much, guys. This is too much. Oh, my God. Let's do a would you rather. Would you rather have a navel that dispensed ketchup or a nose that doubled as a pencil sharpener? Pencil sharpener nose. Easy. Easy. How is that easy? I don't like ketchup. And oh. I'm constantly needing a pencil sharpener. <laughs> Okay, that one's too easy, too easy. Okay, second. <laughs> I keep a backup, would you rather, just for these occasions. Oh, God. Would you rather have living eyebrows that move across your face? Oh, God. Or leave a trail of paprika wherever you go? <laughs> paprika. Instantly, why there paprika? There goes with the paprika. <laughs> I'm really into paprika. But like you couldn't sneak around anywhere. Like everybody will know where you've been. That's true. That's like that you is... couldn't cheat on your boo, really. Oh, shiny, where you been at, huh? Mm. Oh, I was at mom's house, really. I followed the Craig, trail. <laughs> I followed this paprika to Craig's house. You oh want to answer for this? this? Is a wild oh answer. God. It is. So paprika because just because you love paprika. I I I learned how to make Hungarian chicken paprikash last Ooh. year. And it requires a lot of paprika. (laughs) This would be economical. (laughs) Okay. Good answer. What's the most annoying question that you get asked about diversity in media? Can you let me in on your secret list of people of color I should hire? Mm. (laughs) I get that question all the time. All the people I know who are people of color in media get that question all the time. Mm -hmm. Where you get an email. These are facts. These are facts. And it's like... um, it's like, can I pick your brain? Subject line. No. Uh, die. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the answer. That is the worst oh my God. request. And then the content of it is usually something like, we're starting a new initiative or we're hiring or we're looking for writers and would love to like, ha- like if you can connect me to some really great people that mm. we should have on my radar. And it's like, uh, your radar is broken? Like you should like... <laughs> Like I don't have there's not like in my pocket when I open it up there's just lint. There are not <laughs> people of color to hire. <laughs> if there were, I would have hired them. <laughs> oh my god. So that's I make a point to say this in like every whatever fucking diversity panel I'm on. Mm-hmm. It's like, we have access to the same world. Right? <laughs> right. There's no secret club. <laughs> no. If you want to find brown journalists, go to a brown journalist association. Right. That's where I went. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad we could. <laughs> yeah, so I like I want to come up with like a standard answer to mm. that question because I was just talking to two friends of mine who get asked this question all the time too, mm. and I was like, we need something that's like succinct but cutting. Like you should feel yeah. bad about yeah. yourself after I respond with this answer, yes. but it should like be very clever at the same time. And I haven't found it yet. Let mm. me know, yo. <laughs> right, right. Just I will. I will pass it around at the black people in media club. One <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we figure it out. Meeting. Don't tell them about it, Shani. <laughs> Talk to me about garden Twitter. <laughs> You're a part of black Twitter. I'm, a, I'm an observer of black Twitter. I Gardening Twitter has become a recent part of my life. 
I I have a large houseplant collection. Okay. I really like plants, and I found myself like doing lots of plant research. And then I thought, like on particular houseplants, and then I thought, huh, I wonder if there's a way to just like in the horrible trash flow that is my Twitter feed, <laughs> is it possible to inject like some bits of peace, mm. some zen, right? And I just started following like every gardening Twitter account I could find. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of them based in the, in the UK because mm. they like gardens there. And so the best part about it has been the last few weeks whenever something terrible happens and like everybody on Twitter is like talking about it and it's really annoying because like the steps are like this terrible thing happened. Then somebody like breaks the seal with a bad joke and then it's just like a flood of nonsense. You get these wonderful missives from gardening Twitter that are like (laughs) voles are the worst offenders (laughs) in your lawn. Hashtag ground chat. Hashtag ground chat, hashtag plant chat, hashtag herb chat are some of the best things happening on Twitter wow. right now. That's all I'm going to say. I love this. Got a good lesson on growing mushrooms yesterday. Okay. Wow. Let me check out succulent Twitter. Uh, do you name your plants? I don't name my plants. I, oh. I, I probably won't name my kids. I'm bad at Wait. naming things. Wow. <laughs> like, this went to a place. <laughs> I identify things by what they are. Child, (laughs) worst kid. Like I, I've never. I don't name things. I'm really bad at it. Oh my goodness! Pray for Shawnee's child. Um, Should you ever need somebody to name a thing like a plant or a kid? I love to name things. Um, I had an orchid named Larry. Larry's no longer with us. I wasn't. I wasn't good to Larry. Well, if people want to find you on succulent Twitter or otherwise, (laughs) where can people find your work and your Twitter, Shawnee? Um, my Twitter is Shawnee underscore O. BuzzFeed.com slash Shawnee. But I don't write that often, so sorry. So where can people see your work that doesn't quite have your byline? Um, oh, that's easy. BuzzFeed.com slash news. All right. Mm. And BuzzFeed News app. So on the topic of HBCUs, uh, Hannah Georges and Essence Gant, who are two writers at BuzzFeed, who write hey about... Yo. Style, culture, hair, beauty, et cetera, et cetera. Flawless. So they recently went to Atlanta for the Morehouse Spellman Clark Atlanta homecoming. So they've seen some things. (laughs) 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 And um, they're acting as a correspondence for us this episode because they asked a few people down there about their HBCU experience and like what made them decide to go. So here's a little bit of what they had to say. So tell us. Why you uh, went to an HBCU, and more importantly, why you chose Morehouse? My name is Thaddeus Turn. I'm from Columbus, Georgia. I chose an HBCU because uh, when I finished high school, there was no civil rights bill. I wanted to go where I could learn more about myself and my people. My name is Tierra Fenderson, and I am the class of 2018. Spelman? Spelman College, yes. I chose an HBCU because of the fact that I just love our culture and I just wanted to, you know, expand my horizons as a black woman in America. My name is Jimmy Johnson, class year 1956. My name is Mabel Lumpkin Johnson. I finished Spelman in 1953. I arrived at Spelman in 1949. At the age of 16. And tell us why you chose uh, Spelman and uh, why you chose to come to an HBCU. 
I chose Morehouse because I wanted a first-class education. HCBU did not exist when I came to Morehouse. I chose to go to Spelman because I knew I'd get a very good education. My name is Deirdre Hartfield Cooper. I'm a graduate of Spelman 1993. I chose Spelman because both my parents went to HBCUs. They were very successful people. If I went to an HBCU, I could do anything in this world, and I'm doing that. My name is Pam, and I'm class of 85. I chose the HBCU because I grew up on a military base, and there was nobody that looked like me on a military base. My name is Cedric Hill, and I graduated from Morehouse in 2014. I felt like my cultural experience was not complete. I think the educational system doesn't do a great job of like teaching black students their complete and entire history. I thought that I would get that here, and I definitely did. So, I mean, I feel like I'm a more like well-rounded individual now, especially to be a black person, so a black man. Veronica Tut, Clark Atlanta, well, Clark College, class of 1989. I knew that I would have a different experience and feel a part of a bigger, a big family. My name is Devaney Perry, Spelman College, class of 2012. I had a definite desire to attend a school that I know would give me access to the world that I wanted, which is politics. Spelman grads go everywhere, and I wanted to go too, so I chose Spelman. My name is Aparicio Peggins. I graduated the class of 2014 from Morehouse College. For me, that was most important, to see people who were like me, to see people who could potentially think like me and bounce ideas and thoughts off of people who I knew that I could trust, culturally. Peyton, Spelman College, 2018. I want to be with my people, that's all. I wanted to experience 24-hour uh, black and all that the uh, that, that comes with. I was looking for something that was as diverse as, as we are. So I, I have probably the longest tenure, one, one of the longest tenures at the college, but definitely one of the happiest at the same time. So I chose Morehouse because it was the best place for me, especially the educated black man. Joe Carlos III, AKA Joe from Dallas, AKA that dude, AKA Zeus, King of the Gods, a member of the illustrious, indefatigable, unstoppable, inexorable, class of 2004, the greatest class in the history of Morehouse College. Shout out to Hannah and Essence for being our correspondents. You can find more of their work at BuzzFeed.com. And next time, please take me with you. Thanks. Heaven, we're almost done. Guess what time it is? What time is it? Time to buy some rounds. Who are you buying around for, Tracy? I think my round is going to make you especially happy. Oh my I'm god! Very, very excited. I'm excited. Okay, I'm buying around for wallets. Oh my god! <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> So some background, y'all. <laughs> Heaven has been trying to get me to buy a proper oh wallet God. probably since we met. So here's the story. Here's why I never really. Yeah, that octave she reached just now. <laughs> that's how you know she's already fucking up. What? No, what's the story? The what, here's happened? what happened? Was here's what happened. So when I was in like middle school slash like <laughs> freshman <laughs> year of high school, just stick with me on this journey. Uh -huh. I didn't carry a purse, right? Okay. I just didn't want to carry a purse, so I didn't. Which meant that all of my like important shit that I would handle throughout the day went in my back pocket. Okay? 
Okay. Okay, so stay with me. So time passes. I'm like, oh, purses have a purpose and they're also really fucking cute. So let me let me get my purse game up. Okay. And like <laughs> I, I had a wallet, right? But I was still so used to like keeping money and then like later cell phone, like my cell phone and my debit card when I got them. Still so used to putting them in my back pocket. So let's pause right now. <laughs> I thought this was going to make you happy. This is the opposite. So floating in your back pocket yes. is loose change, your yes. debit card, yes. your ID probably. Because yes. otherwise I would lose it in my purse. So you would take it out and mm-hmm. nothing had ever fallen no. You had never been like, this is not a great system. <laughs> no, I've never lost anything because I kept it in my back pocket. I have lost things because it was in my purse and I couldn't find it. Okay. Anyway, heaven. Okay, sure. Okay. I'm listening. So, um, <laughs> I moved to New York and I, like, I'm always like on and off of trains. And so me trying to find my, I still want to call it a trans pass because I was living in Philly for a while. But me trying to find my, um, what do you call it? Uh, MetroCard. Mm-hmm. Was, is always in production, right? It, and it heaven's, is. Heaven's always like, you know what? If you had a wallet, where one this would be put those things to regularly reach them, yes, would be I believe easier. many people are on this board called Wallet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So finally, we were in Iowa. You remember, mm-hmm. and we're at this store. They got like very nice yet affordable wallets. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Let me treat myself to a wallet in heaven. My life has been like completely changed. Oh my god, completely changed. I, I know because it's so helpful. <laughs> I think the secret is having a wallet big enough that you can like reach into your purse because I keep a lot of trash in my purse just because there's room. Okay, like right now there's probably like a bra in my purse for no reason. You don't need to carry a spare bra around. I don't know who knows it's in my purse, but the wallet is large. I have my ID in my wallet. Oh my god! I'm not gonna celebrate this. So heaven, uh, you upgraded my life. I know. Finally, finally, better late than never, though, right? I don't know if that's always true. Right. <laughs> Listen, today I made an eye appointment and I was like, oh, I got to find my um, health insurance card. Oh my God. Guess where it was? In your wallet. In my wallet. <laughs> I just knew where it was. And I was like, oh, no problem, lady ma'am oh on the my phone. God. Bam. So I say all this to say that you were right. <laughs> I should have gotten a wallet a long time ago. Oh, my God. My, I have not lost my Metro card. But let me tell you, I don't get... <laughs> I'm so used to losing shit that belongs in a wallet. I have never bought a monthly. I hate this already. (laughs) I've never bought a monthly Metro card because I always lose it. And now I think I'm ready to buy my first monthly Metro card. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Okay. Let's just keep it (laughs) at this. That's all I'll say. Okay. Thank you. Your face at the rest of it. So shout out to Wallets. Shout out to whoever invented Wallets. Shout out to me being right. Shout out to Heaven being right about Wallets. I'm always right. Always. That's the conclusion here. Everybody buy a wallet. It'll change your life. That's who my, my, so my round is for wallets and also you. Thank Yay. you, Tracy. No, thank you, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> who is your round for? Ah, uh, okay. So I'm <laughs> buying a round for the book Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Advice on love and life from Dear Sugar. So Dear Sugar is a uh, advice column. Mm-hmm. As listeners of the show might know, I'm very skeptical about advice columns, and I don't get why you guys ask us for advice. <laughs> <laughs> because we asked them to ask us for advice. I know, but that's, that still doesn't <laughs> make sense either. <laughs> Anyways, I grew up with like the Washington Post, and I would try to read the paper like front to back every time my dad brought it home. So I would try to read the like advice columns, but they were so bad. Mm-hmm. Like the the etiquette ones were like, who are these people? What problems do you have? So I, in my mind, I always thought it's like a problem with the form, not the the execution. Okay. 
So my roommate recently was telling me, like, this is a very, this is like a New York Times bestseller. This is mm-hmm. a popular book. Okay. I'm late to this. But like, I had heard about it, but my roommate was the one who finally got me to actually like check it out. Cause mm-hmm. she's like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Advice columns suck. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> but she's like, it, it reads almost not like an advice column and it's like just way better just quality like instantly instantly you will feel that it's way better than every other advice column you've read mm-hmm. so i gave it a shot all right and she was right hmm. i have been reading a lot of self-help books recently mm-hmm. and i hate them so much <laughs> but you know like i need help <laughs> i still need help <laughs> first of all their tone is always like exclamation point you know Mm-hmm. She's like, why like, you, you can do it? Yeah, it's just like, calm down, okay? <laughs> Let's be reasonable here. <laughs> this book feels to me like what a self-help book could be if it wasn't that, mm-hmm. where it's like you had these wild expectations of what the universe will bring you. Right. <laughs> or just like, it's not really coming from a place of real empathy. It's just like this like rote feeling of like, if you do this, your life will be better. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the same fucking problems. Right. You're not special. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's really refreshing to it's like. It's so refreshing. It also that. satisfies the part of me that just loves hearing about other people's problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's also that. <laughs> Anyways, it's well told uh, or well done from um, Sheryl Strayed. Yay. She's also, sorry, one last thing. Mm-hmm. I realize she also is the person who wrote Wild that was now turned into a movie with Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> sorry. Who? I always struggle to say her name. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Anyways, it's that movie with the like white woman with the like she's backpacking through it all, you know. I don't. Know so because there's so many of those, like I like kind of ignored this one because like we're kind of tired of it all. You know, she's like finds herself or something. Ugh. I get so tired of those tales, but I realized she was the author, so I was like, you know what? I'll give this a chance. <laughs> and I watched the movie, and it was actually not. It wasn't what I thought it'd be. Huh. I mean, it was still that. It was mm-hmm. still like, girl, why are we doing this? <laughs> right. But it was like way more thoughtful and like coming from a place of real empathy than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Anyways, good book. All right. Maybe check out the movie. It's on HBO Go. That's how I watch it. <laughs> Dope. Shout out to Wallets and Books. Wallets and Books. Oh my God, I'm still Wallace salty that books. it took this long. Everybody loves Wallets and Books. That's enough. That's enough. Let's go to credits. Oh my God, we did it. We did it. Yay. Thanks to Shani for stopping by. Read Yay. BuzzFeed's Black College issue. That's the HBCU issue at buzzfeed.com slash HBCUS. Shout out to the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. This podcast is produced by Eleanor Kagan with Yay. editorial oversight from Jenna Weiss Berman. And production help from Julia Furlan and Meg Kramer. Ow, ow. Also, a huge thank to Paul Ruest at Argo Studios. We have missed your face. Aw, prayer hands. Paul just did prayer hands for a reason. Uh, also, thank you to our um, multi-talented musicians, um, Jean Grey. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy and Don Will of the Almighty Dine. Blah. And Don Will of the Almighty Tanya Morgan. You can follow him at Don Will. That's D-O-N-W-I-L-L. Thank you to Optimus Prime for being alive. I appreciate you being alive. Aw. Thanks to the Tracy. Oh, the Tracy says you're very welcome. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on Twitter at HeavenRance. That's Heaven the noun, Rance the verb. And I am on Twitter as well at Brokey McPoverty. That's Brokey as in broke and McPoverty as in I'm broke. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter at Another Round, on Facebook at Another Round. You can send us an email if you have 
praise or questions or even um, advice <laughs> even listen maybe some advice some of y'all get a little carried away with the advice you can email us at another round at buzzfeed.com please take a moment to rate us on itunes if you love us if not we forgive you also don't forget to take our survey at tiny url slash another round survey and tell us about yourself and what you like yeah you your feedback is genuinely like meaningful to us please, it definitely is please give us your thoughts please do call your mom take your meds drink some water oh my god back up your data buy a wallet yo get a wallet <laughs> you know what we life. have to do next what Google Maps, Tracy. We're moving to Google Maps. She's still on Apple Maps, y'all. This is absurd. Your Apple Maps has got me lost so many times. <laughs> this is so dumb, lost Tracy. Upgrade your life. I know, I know. Okay, so this I finished one project. to me. <laughs> Maybe by the next show, I'll have Google Maps. Will I? You don't have an excuse anymore. You have a new phone. I got a brand new phone. You're right. Don't do You're this. Right. I think I just figured that maybe they no, improved stop, Apple Maps stop by now. Stop the sentence. They haven't. <laughs> All right, your life. Want better for yourselves, everyone. I'll work on it. I will work on it. And um, come back next time. We miss you when you're (laughs) gone. (laughs) Don't leave us. Aw. I know. I got in a fight with somebody about World War One at a party on Saturday night. Of oh course you did. Of course this is what drunk what shawty was, does. What was the argument? <laughs> I mean, it's really what like... What did you feel that strongly about <laughs> during a party? <laughs> I mean, honestly, the Schlieffen plan is kind of a, you know, it's kind of a thing.